I'm John Murphy. And I'm Christian Humes. And you're listening to Watch World. That's right, everybody. Welcome back to Watch World. We are still in the Bond game. That's right. We're watching James Bond again. And this time we have finally gone beyond the Fleming books. This is the first time we are doing a movie that is not based on directly on a title of a book that Ian Fleming wrote. It is 1989's License to Kill. What's so incredible about that to me, John, is in so many ways, this feels like the most true to the character of James Bond that they have ever gotten as far as like who he is in the books, other than maybe oh, yeah. Casino Royale, which Casino Royale feels like a very direct one-to-one. But in like, terms of like when this was made... Oh, man. Yes, I would, I would agree. This is an... A very interesting movie in a lot of different ways, both outside context, within the movie itself, the time it was made in, the actors involved, the elements they use. Um, so this movie is interesting. I've actually, like, I think this and Thunderball were, like, the two movies I think I watched the least of all, like, the Bond movies before. Um, and rewatching it again, it's like, I, I actually did really enjoy this movie. Um, but in terms of, but like, how successful it was in, in adjusting for inflation, this was the least successful movie of the entire so franchise. And I was like kind of looking up as to why. And for a lot of reasons, I think this one goes the darkest during mm. the, like for the time period, it's for the context of the time period. God, I think it, it feels like it has, it has, it's so good, but it, cause it's it lays so the groundwork good. for, uh, for Craig that or and also Brosnan a little bit that like I mean it does but even even outside of James Bond it's a good movie like yeah like it has like so many things that even if you've never watched a James Bond movie it's like got these incredible action pieces this like complex story that's been woven with like all these different threads and characters and set pieces and locations like it's great yeah crazy it's kind of like when I was watching it I, it, it, like most Bond movies post Connery, where they're kind of just pulling from, well, what's of the era, like kind of like emulating the time it's in. Mm-hmm. This one definitely goes hard with, you have a lot of commando in here. You have Scarface. You have a little bit of Roadhouse with the bar fight. Um, there's just like, it pulls from very distinct 80s action movies. Oh, Lethal Weapon definitely is a, Big influence of this movie, um, where basically Bond and Felix are, you know, <laughs> it's lethal weapon in, in this movie. So, yeah, it's, on one hand, it's it, I think it actually is a really good movie that almost doesn't feel like a Bond movie when compared to Roger Moore movies, Connery. But you can, I see a lot of Daniel Craig in this movie, like, because this is the first one that really, that Bond goes rogue. Which Craig yes. does every one of his movies, he goes rogues. <laughs> yeah, and story structure also feels a lot too, not not the theme, but just the way like the different locations, the different uh, power structures feels very um, Pierce Brosnan movies. Because the, the Craig movies all have been much more straightforward. Like there's usually a twist, there's like a element you don't know where there's, you know, the real bad guy or the power behind the power. But this is like... There were just so many different moving parts, 
and I feel like the Brosnan movies had that. Like, there's a company, and yes, there's a bad guy, and there's would... another company with the bad guy, and there's sort of what I liked about like we'll get when we get to Brosnan, we're gonna fanboy all over them because that's yeah, our, sure. our movies growing up. But like yeah. those ones are more like more in the sense that the villains are very like egomaniacal. Oh yeah, the villains, villains are that cartoons. have like have like a higher plan about yes. world domination. Where it's like yeah. this one like. Day, the living daylights and really not since maybe live and let die it's like what the, about her the, majesty's secret service majesty is sort of but like i would say live and let die because that one's basically all about drugs the yeah, movie, yeah the movie's all about drugs and and slipping drugs into the yeah US. but that that compound is is ludicrous <laughs> yes but so like but this one and living Daylights are a very the 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 villain plans are very grounded and it's just yes. all about like let's sell some drugs and make a lot of money and like every 80s action movie it's all about like diplomatic you know jurisdiction and you know south american countries being like corrupt and <laughs> being funneling this drug trade and it's a very pro war on drugs movie oh big time like most of these movies at the time it's so like there's a very underlying like conservative ideology running through a movie like this um yes you know so i think there's there's a lot there's a lot to unpack here besides just the plot but the plot itself is also i think just really interesting really fun to like follow and watch overall um yeah you know i think i guess we can just kind of dive into it i i just want to say like the thing i really liked about this movie is last if you remember anyone that heard the last episode i specifically talk about wanting to see james bond interact with the people in his life the characters we've known but not on a mission and getting to see that in this movie was amazing and the sort of bromance between he and felix was so good and the thing i actually really liked about it is it made Felix seem like a more real character because Felix is always showing up to help Bond, but this was Bond showing up to help Felix, which of course that should be happening. Um, oh gosh, yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, no, I think the two. Okay, so there's two. Even though it's not based on the title, is not based on anything. And originally, so the the original title of the movie is called License Revoked. That was going to be the original title. And then last minute, within like months of like release, they switched it to License to Kill because I think audience the test audiences didn't get why, what the meaning of revoked. They thought it was like a driver's license thing. It's like, come on, people. But um, but License Watch to Kill. James Bond run around London, <laughs> drive without a license, um, pedestrian spy. I mean, he does he drives a semi-truck in this movie i don't think he has the classification like driver's license to drive that so that's probably true <laughs> he would get pulled over um but yeah so the 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 even though it is is a new this is finally like a new era in which they ran out of uh, fleming titles to use the two biggest things influences that this movie pulls from is to me well uh, we know for sure it pulls from live and let die the book because in live and let die felix slider gets um Fed to fed to sharks by Mr. Big or Mr. Big's people, and so that's why the whole him being lowered into the pit and getting eaten by sharks, and then he finds that note later, like he disagreed with something that ate him. That's directly from Live and Let Die. And then the other thing, this seemed a lot like almost a remake of The Man with the Golden Gun, both book and and a little bit of the movie, because Sanchez yes. is a lot like Scaramanga. Yes. 
Yeah. And but better. In a lot of ways, yeah, better a lot of ways. Um, because in, in the book, more so than the movie Man with the Golden Gun, in the book, Bond infiltrates Scaramanga's organization and works for him temporarily, kind of like in this movie. He basically mm. lies to Sanchez and says that he's an ex like British spy and like is kind of sort of starts like kind of hanging around him and then Sanchez lets him like kind of hang around because he thinks yeah. he's like working like a, an ally. So that's like the two things that I think it pulls from. So even though it is like a new era without a, with a brand new title, it hasn't been mentioned before. It does pull from a lot of still from the classics in that way. Um, I think, um, and just one last thing to say how you mentioned, like, it was the worst performing. I think that might have something to do with the previous movie, and not that it was bad, but, you know, we talked about how, like, he's a great, like, he's a good actor, and he's believable when he's doing stuff, but he doesn't have the charm that Bond usually has. Yeah. Um, It's not that he's, like, a bad-looking guy, but he's, like, he doesn't have, like, the kind eyes or the kind face and the good looks. Like, he just kind of looks, like, a little bit, like, rough around the edges. But I will say there was, like, a couple times during this where I was like, okay, Bond's looking pretty good right now. I think and he, it was, like, whenever he was getting, like, messy. He feel, he filled out a little bit better in this movie than he did in Living Daylights. Big time. I think in Living Daylights he's too sharp. He's, like, too pointy. And then this one he kind of is a little bit thicker in some ways yep. and so and and like and i think i agree with you when he gets dirtier yeah he's, when he's like wet like like his hairs he's not like as clean cut like i'm just like okay like now he kind of looks like and feels like james bond right i now. i noted this i was like this is the first time i think bond has worn like a plain t-shirt and sweatpants <laughs> at one point and i'm like he looks so like dirty and like grungy at some point here and i'm like it's such an interesting look for a man that yeah. normally is like clean dressed and doesn't get like that um and even when he is dirty in other movies he's so like he's wearing like crazy expensive like clothes but yes you know um all right let's jump in because this movie goes to a lot of places yes so this opening is interesting i don't think it's the most interesting opening the most exciting opening but it's felix's wedding he's Mm -hmm. getting married Mm -hmm. bond is his best man they're on their way. They're in Key West. Um, then the DEA somehow stops their caravan and is like, you know, Felix, we got we got this guy Sanchez. He's he's made his uh, he's somewhere in Key West here. This is our chance to get him. Let's go get him. And he's like, come on, Bond, let's go get him. Uh, which is like, if you recognize, <laughs> like wedding tuxes. Yeah, they're in these like ugly ass gray wedding tuxes. Yeah. Um, but if you know, so that actor, this actor plays Felix is the same one that played him in *Live and Let Die*. Right. So it's like they're like, "Hey, let's just go back to that casting." Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, even though we just watched *The Living Daylights* when they changed actors already. Yes. And they changed it back. So, you know, welcome to the world of Felix Leiter's whoever is of the week. I don't know. They just <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. Um, but you know, I th- I like. What What did you think of this opening overall? Like, just. In general, I li- I mean I liked the it, it it grounded the whole like Bond being with Felix being like the help, you know, instead of the like I liked the role reversal for Bond. I liked seeing Bond be used as you know an asset like he is and not like as like the secret weapon always. Yeah, no, it. I think just from a like the elements involved with the thing of like. The, the helicopter going over the plane and, like, towing it, that's, like, the coolest part. But, like, even then, it's not that, like, 
it's not that exciting of a stunt. No, I think I I, I think that um that makes sense though because they're going to like a wedding and I think if it was super amped up and then they just dropped off at a wedding, it would come up as like weird. No, like it would be I, too I, funny and dumb. Yeah, but I'm fine with that. I just think like the sure. the actual like stunt and action elements in this movie, in this beginning are pretty boring. I mean, it wasn't That's the best me. cold open. For sure. Yeah. I agree with that. Like, it wasn't like the action set piece, but I think I was just so enamored by seeing this role reversal for Bond. Like, he, we've never seen him with, like, the American forces. It's always, like, just Felix. Like, he has help from an outside person. So seeing Bond be the, the sort of, like, fish out of water character, I was kind of like, oh, like, this is weird seeing, like, the DEA agency. Like, these yeah. guys, like, so, it's like, oh, yeah, Bond is basically a soldier, too. Like, yeah. this is, of course. And I love how they're just, like, their other friend, Sharky. Sharky, yeah. Played by, uh, with, like, it's, this is like the era of O.J. Simpson, and it's like, in terms of ex-football players being in the movies, and Frank McRae, who plays Sharky, it's like, you know, you could tell he's a, he's an ex-football player, and it's just, it's just funny how they just, you know, every movie at this era just has got to have an ex-sports player in, in, <laughs> in some sort of role. But, you know, Sharky's like, but, you know, what do we, like, what do, you, what do I tell your, what do I tell your wife? Felix is like, just, just tell him to hold on the ceremony until we get back. <laughs> oh, Sharky, you know, it is what it is. But um, yeah, so they they capture Sanchez. Usually, like you know, Bond lowers down, ties. You know, they basically go fishing. They fish his plane in, in the middle of the air. It's great. And then they land. Great, great, great. What? Okay, so this song, "License to Kill." I think this is actually one of my top five favorite songs by Gladys Knight. It's just a banner of a song. So I didn't love it at first. I'll be honest. Okay. When I first heard it, I didn't love it because it was like a real slow one. And yeah. I think I really liked the last one a lot. But then after the movie ended and it came on again for the credits, yeah. I was kind of like, and then I was singing it to myself. And I'm like, okay, I've completely turned on this song. The now. image it, it, it puts in my mind, it's like every time I hear it, it reminds me of in Lord of the Rings when Sam has lifted Frodo over his back and is carrying him up Mount Dune. It's like <laughs> Bond is taking Felix onto his back and is like going up the mountain. And it's like this kind of like power lift song. <laughs> and it's great. And Gladys Knight is her like probably one of the best vocal performances I've seen in a song. You know, probably since Shirley Bassey in any of these things. So it's it, Or Adele. Yeah, it's to me it's like one of it's a hidden gem in the Bond yeah. music songs because I think it's just it's it, it almost doesn't make sense for the movie but yeah <laughs> it it works as a song for me and I love it so um, it's so wild so we have the song for the new Bond yeah it's so crazy because I, like the movie was supposed to be out you know like seven months ago it's just so crazy to think that. Like, that song is going to be, like, old by the time this movie comes out. It's such a bizarre thing to have occurred. But it's good because now I think it's it's being delayed just enough that people kind of forgot about the song. Yeah, and I now when it comes it in my head. And now when it comes back on, we'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Now I know about the song. Whereas, like, It'll sometimes, sound familiar, which yeah, would be weird. Like, sometimes you release it at just the right point where it, by the time the movie's released, you're kind of over the song. And so now I think it's, like, beyond the expiration where it's now got a renewed feeling to it yeah it came out kind of early considering it was still like a, a ways out when it was first yeah i think you got to give it like a few months and i think they kind of timed it so like what it came out in like 
February, and then they were. Th- I think so, so. So like, and it was coming. It could be April. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. like two months. So, but now I'm, gonna, like, I'm not gonna listen to it again until until I see it. I've listened a few times. It's like oh okay. It's good. It's still good. I think it's better than the Sam Smith one before it, and yep. a couple other ones. It's Sad Bond, you know. Yeah. But um, you know, it's it's I think good Sad Bond. Um, but anyways, reading off track. So, uh, yeah. So then, you know, so this whole thing with the wedding, of course, Felix is trying to work during the wedding. He just can't balance, you know, career and uh, and and being at the home now. So, well, that's a very American thing. That's true. So, what did you think of Della, his new wife? R.I.P. R.I.P. But like that relationship with Bond, there's something. Yeah, there's something going on there. There, there definitely is. But I also, so okay, look, I think it's also very possible that it is completely wholesome, and that like she just loves James because she knows James has like saved Felix's life before and stuff like that. And so she's just like, she's like, oh my God, James, like you're like, you know, like she probably loves James almost like a brother, but it also seems like they've gotten down. I can't like decide. Or I think she's just like leaving the door open to like something because she's like, oh, the best man should always kiss the bride. And then like, and then later is like, and then has like the garter and then Felix is like, "Eh, let's not talk about like marriage with James Bond. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> because of his dead wife, you know. Yeah. So it's just like you know, there was it's some... such a weird thing to bring up the dead wife when it's like the the just the it's like three actors ago. Of James. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. The guy's around for one movie. That's what's funny about no, but that, but that's what's so funny about this universe that they've created. It's it's such a wide cast of tone and genre and like elements involved, but for some reason, Eon Productions insists that it's the same character like in terms of like the same storyline they're all until at least daniel craig because they did literally casino royale again sort of but like (laughs) they even then they 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 insist that casino royale is first and then it kind of goes back through it's like just admit that it's like the same character but in different iterations like you don't feel like now that reboots are such a thing that the next time they're just going to be like we're resetting the I hope you know, so. I the hope dossier. So. Maybe. I hope so. Um, it's like M is dead. <laughs> I mean, M, and M is, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. Q retired, but Q's back. Like, what? Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, I feel like they're, they're getting there, but maybe they're just not ready yet to admit that, like, this isn't the same guy. <laughs> this is me. I mean, it is the same guy. It's just the same guy from a different universe. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, can you just theory. imagine, like, it's like, they just need to go Batman and just be like, yes, Batman is a cultural iconic character that we're doing different interpretation, different universes with. Yeah. And, you know, for some reason, Eon doesn't want to admit that for whatever They're reason. They're stupid. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on their honeymoon, speaking of honeymoon, um, Lighter and Della are captured by Sanchez's men, headlined by the notable, very, very young... Benicio del Toro, who plays Dario. Honestly, I couldn't. I never would have recognized him if you didn't tell me. Really, the sleepy eyes yeah. didn't like. You couldn't tell. Oh man, like he. It looks like he's, him. He's very wooden. Yeah, but he's got the best line in all the whole movie. 
We sent her on a nice honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> he's so weird, but yeah, it's yeah, he he it's like I get he's supposed to be like the psycho like attack dog of Sanchez. But like What was his 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 name? It was like Kill uh... It was Dario. That's just like oh. it's called Dario. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a name like Sharky. <laughs> In the Sharky. Poor Sharky, man. I know. He, oh, I was he, thinking of Killifer for a second. Like, oh yeah, Kill. Oh yeah, no, Agent Killifer. Yeah, that guy. Hey, buddy. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Uh, yeah, that. So yeah, that, that. That's what's interesting about this whole thing. It's like you have the that guy, that agent, who betrays the DEA. He releases Sanchez, and then they get their revenge on on Felix Leiter. They kill his wife, his his newlywed wife, and then they feed. Sanchez to sharks, which is pretty just enough so that he stays alive. Yes, which it's awful. I guess I, you know, at this point, like, why, why would you do that? You know, it's awful, just to make him suffer. Yeah, but just if you like, you know that like, if he's alive, there's gonna be retribution. Sure. So usually, you, like, I'm not to say like I, I don't want to give recommendations to drug lords or anything like that, but it's like. What they usually do is just make people disappear, and they just are never found again, you know. And so that way, there can't be there. This is no hint of, oh, we like this person could get revenge on me someday, <laughs> right? You know. But that's big. That's Sanchez's big mistake. You know, he lets he lets uh, Felix alive, which motivates Bond to go on a big revenge streak. It's because Sanchez is a sicko. Yeah, Robert Davi, notable Italian American actor, who mm. plays. <laughs> A man named Sanchez. Do you well, do you recognize uh, Robert Davi? Yeah. Come on, you gotta love him from the Goonies. Oh, yep. Okay. So, a lot of, a lot of inter- a lot of actors here that I recognize from other things. I mean, Gus Fring is. Gene <laughs> Carlo Esposito is Italian Puerto Rican. He's half Italian, half Puerto Rican. Yeah, but the he Puerto plays, Rican side. He plays can... like a Colombian. Yeah, he plays a lot. Or of wait, Colombian. no, he's uh, is he Colombian or is he supposed to be? Gosh, I can't. Well, He's not Colombian, but I can't remember. Okay. Um, but yeah, like he gets cast and stuff like that all the time. They used to, so Italian people used to not be considered very white, especially like back then. But in it was 1989. Like, well, but in 1989, a lot of like a lot of the adults grew up not thinking that it was like it was basically like around the 60s, 50s, 60s, where that kind of flipped over. So like you know, there's obviously. But for that reason, that's why so many Italian people, because they were dark white people, would get cast as it was like you know the the very famous like crying Native American man, which is just an yeah. Italian actor. <laughs> it's like like that was like a lot of the time where it was like that. Yeah, they were just like, well, we'll get an Italian guy because they're they're like they're kind of dark and uh you know they don't necessarily look white, so we'll we'll get away with that instead of just getting yeah so. it, that so that but he was el- a good actor in that it. that element and then. Um, later, when who's like the like the young Republican looking dude that works for oh, Sanchez? Oh, uh, J- uh, J- Jared, Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner. That's yeah. all I can think the whole time. I'm like, so, oh, little Jared Kushner. So I guess uh, his character's name is Truman Lodge. Like, oh my god! But anyways, the like it's so funny how in that and that later on when he's talking, they don't want to specify which country all their buyers are coming from, so that he just yes. keeps saying the word Oriental. Oh, and that's like, right. I'm like, That's right. I had almost completely like every time it happened, I would. It's be like, like they Ooh. didn't want to offend anyone, so they offended everyone. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
so it's like that was that was like kind of funny with that but um yeah and um the guy who plays milton crest the the guy who has like the boat and then he gets his head dude this movie is so cool. There's a murderer's row of characters. There, it's like it's like all of the villains escaped Arkham Asylum and were yeah. like like free. There's so many people involved in this that are bad dudes. Yeah, I mean that's what happens when you get involved with the uh, the drug trade. But so Milton Crest, the guy who gets his head blown up in the uh, pressure gauge. Oh man, that guy also has a, that guy's a crazy eye. Yeah, he's got a crazy eye, but do you recognize him from The Matrix Reloaded? He plays like the old councilman guy that talks to Neo. No, I don't. I don't right. remember. Have you, that have you ever watched like the Matrix? You have sequels? an incredible knack for faces. I do. You do. Uh, I, I do not. I do not have that. Um, sometimes I wear. I have face blindness. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of my. You're weird... like it's that guy. I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's my that's my weird talent that I have. I have a re- like I can recognize faces for other things. Yeah, and names. I have terrible times with names and faces it takes me a long time which why like i literally i watched this you know like within the last 24 hours and i'm just like wait what was the name of the guy who did that <laughs> i could tell you everything happened in it but yeah. i can't tell you what the person's name was <laughs> but like uh, yeah so it's in terms of darkness this movie is i think the most dark bond where i think he does a lot of like killing people in a very like personal oh. way it's a yeah. I mean, it feels like it feels like a possible story in in many ways. Yeah, like when he kill this is like a ton twist when he kills Killifer, the the yes. DA agent. He feeds him to sharks and throws two million dollars at him to get all bloody. And I'm like, yeah, that's such a like dark badass way to like. And, and I'm sure if you if you grew up at this time watching Roger Moore. You're like you watch this and you're like I don't recognize this, yeah. As as James Bond in terms of movies, but I appreciate that though for this being such a Reagan era sort of like war on drugs movie kind of a thing. That even then there was a corrupt DEA guy. Well, that yeah, I mean that's all like during this time. It's like not only is this, is you're fighting against the this you know bad guys, but then you're fighting against your own system of like yeah corruption within your system and like weird jurisdiction rules because like which is like what all of new bond is, is yes and, then, and that's why he has to corruption. go rogue every time and yeah. it's a very like libertarian view of like the system never works so you the individual man must go out yeah. and do it himself well <laughs> it's yeah. it's either that or it's a non-libertarian view it's more of a like we've been taken over by fascists <laughs> like internally because like we don't take care of our own people, we only we become xenophobic. But there's, <laughs> but there's, I think, a little bit once once Felix is in, you know, in the hospital, and Bond talks to that one DEA agent guy uh-huh. Mullins, and like he keeps telling him, like, I can't, I can't help you. Like, you know, it's basically like it, it portrays the government as like not like ineffectual. Like it's not sure it can't work. Like it's it's too bureaucratic, and like right. That's why like this guy has to go outside the system to like do it. Yeah. And like, I, well, I, yeah, I really liked the other dude though. Sharky because yeah, I mean, like I was just like, man, I want him to be a bond the whole time. Well, this he's kind of, cool. he's the quarrel fill in. Oh yeah. Cause like yeah, at yeah. one point when he has the boat, I'm like, Oh, this is like totally quarrel. Yeah. <laughs> and because I guess they are doing the live and let die element to the story with yes. Felix game eaten that they kind of, okay, it makes sense to kind of 
introduce Coral, but Coral's already died twice, both his sure. both him and his son. So <laughs> So they need another guy, so they bring in Sharky, Sharky. Who also gets killed, unfortunately. Yes. Which I'm like oh. He was cool though, man. It was it was cool because he was like kind of afraid all the time. But then he yeah. saves Bond by like overcoming his fear of sharks and like helping him, you know, defeat Killinger or Killifer or whatever his name was. Killifer. Uh, Killinger. <laughs> well, how did they, how did he pass like the C, the DEA like test? Like he has the most evil name ever. Yes. It's like Frank Killifer. I don't even actually know what his Latin first name is, but oh, Ed Killifer. Ed. Um. Yeah. So this, you know, Bond's like trail of destruction takes him to the. Uh, the fictional country of Isthmus, which is basically they they couldn't use the word Panama. They can't use the word country Panama, but it's basically Panama. Why can't they use Panama? Because I think they, I guess they didn't want to get sued. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but the, but this is at the time when Panama was like a lot in the news because of Noriega and like the drug bust and all this like things that were going on. So I think they decided like, and Isthmus, as you may know, is a land that's you know. A narrow sheet of land that is separated by two large bodies of water, aka Panama. So that's what it's supposed to be a stand-in for. Um, but apparently Sanchez, that's his that's his country. He like owns everything. He's corrupt, you know, blah 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 blah. Um, what did you think of the Bond girls in this movie? I thought they were great. Um I didn't you know, when we're first introduced to um Sanchez's girl it wasn't Bond's girl yet yeah sort of a thing I was like this is Lupe I did not enjoy watching her beat get beaten by Sanchez yeah like with the whip and everything yeah, yeah yeah that was that was really rough um I liked the way she would call out as Bond to Bond being kind of like is this all you men know is like basically like how to kill each other like you, why don't you have any other ideas kind of a thing but meanwhile she's not she's not proposing anything and she's just being like leave or i'll get in trouble it's like okay well look if you're gonna if you're gonna <laughs> call out bond for doing to them what they would do to him like what are you offering up as an alternative because you're just saying i'm gonna hide like, yeah come on <laughs> yeah no i i liked her as a, as a character i i do like there is no femme fatale necessarily in this character like n- neither no, neither really. her or um, I don't like her name, but Pam Bouvier, which sounds like a Muppet. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> but I, I like her character. I just don't like her name. It's just a, I don't like. The, I don't know why I like Bouvier as a, as a last name. It's such a weird last name. Anyways, um, but I do like that both of them survive till the end. They're both there at the end, even though Bond kind of ends up kind of being with Pam, um, like Jim and. You know, I think I, I you know, I, I like this. I like this trend. I like that they didn't, just, they didn't just kill off. And now that I say that, I realize they killed off Della. Damn it! <laughs> but in terms of the the women that Bond falls in love with, which makes you think maybe he was in love with Della. That's why she died. Oh, maybe. Damn it! God damn it, Bond. Um, but yeah, no, I like I like these two. I like Pam and Lupe. Um, they're good. I think they're yeah. solid. They're not like, they're kind. You know, they're. They're not like the I like the interaction between them later when it's revealed to Pam that Lupe had spent the night with Bond and then she's mad and Q is like, well, I, you know, I spies sent, have to use. I sent you the, the whatever the gif of 
Q's eye roll. Yeah. And just like <laughs> him, he's like, oh, here we go again. God damn it. Bond, you rascal. It's like, when are you ever going to learn? Um, this is the one where they really embrace the age of Q to Bond. And it's like he literally calls him uncle. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they kind of have this like uncle nephew relationship. Mm-hmm. And where it's like they hadn't really done that before. Which is, which is, so it's interesting they did it. I think this is the start of that type of really embracing that relationship that you see continuing on with Brosnan. Yeah. So, I, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, when we get up to Q, I have things. To say. I love it. Well, I mean, I, can, I guess we can just dive into Q now. I mean, the other, okay. other thing I was going to bring up was I love that Bond plays blackjack <laughs> as opposed to background or any other thing. It's such an easy game to understand. So when you're watching it, you're like, yeah, I know. I know what's happening right now. Don't they do that in um, the modern Casino Royale or was it like... Uh, no, they play poker, like Texas Hold'em. Poker, the Texas Hold'em, right. Yeah. Because then there's at least still like a... Right, okay. Yeah. That's so you, you... Yeah. So, but in this one, they were like, eh, let's have them play blackjack. Play blackjack. <laughs> probably more popular at the time. I'm sure. I'm sure this is probably what it's... It probably completely focused test. They were like, well, what's the most popular card game right now? Well, they're probably like, what's the most like people can understand. Yeah, visually, sure. they can sure. see. I love how, and I love how he's playing. I'm gonna play all five positions at once. Yeah, <laughs> you're like you he's psycho. Like, hit, stay, double down, hit. Stay. Yeah, no, he 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 doubles down the first one. He splits the second one, and he hits twenty one or eighteen on all those. And you're like, yeah, go Bond. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, he's using that that memory of his. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. No. So we can also like let's just dive into Q. I like this Q because this ver- like this is this uh, whole use of Q because he goes outside the system like Bond, and all the gadgets he gives them are a practical and for a spy. They're nothing too crazy, nothing too like fantastical. It's all within like the realm of the mission he's on, which is great. Yes, I also really liked it because so, and we didn't even talk about it. We somehow skipped the fact that they revoked his license, John. We skipped that scene. You mean the original title of the movie, License Revoked? Um, Actually, can we just very quickly say something about that? Um, I didn't really like the way it went down. uh, And, like, I don't know why he wouldn't just give him his gun. Like, Bond can't get another gun. (laughs) And then they're shooting at him. Like, I thought that was just, like, poorly handled, that scene. In fact, I think that might be the, like, the scene I like the least. M M takes, I think, the biggest hit as a character. Him and him and Moneypenny, I think, kind of take a real backseat here. Yeah. Um, mostly M because I think he's he in previous movies, anytime Bond was gonna go outside the system or like kind of go rogue or like need to do something, M kinda always had his back. Yes. And this is the one movie where he doesn't. Right. And not really for any good reason, other than he's like, Oh, this is an American issue. Like, don't get don't get personal. Bond. Um, but yeah, so I think like he kind of unfortunately takes a hit. Yeah, but I think time. he kind of has to in that way, you know. But big time. So uh, it was just I was I was disappointed with that. But when the phone rang and they were like, "Oh, I sent your uncle up to your room," and I was just like, yeah. <laughs> "Oh, please be Q, please be Q, please be Q." And, but you know, I was nervous it wasn't because of that scene with M. I'm like, well, if they tried to kill their most valuable asset because they wouldn't return a gun, I don't know if they're sending someone. But I guess Money Penny was like. Q, help out our our child. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, now, Money Penny is the aunt, I guess. Well, because Money Penny in this iteration is like 
very much has a crush on Bond, so yeah, she probably helped convince Q like you gotta you gotta go do this. Yeah, so this was a great little scene, and then the way Pam comes in and she like interrupts, and then she picks up like she basically plays the role that Bond usually does, like by yeah. like screwing around, and like I liked that he was paying attention to Q and being like really respectful to him. I love whole time. I did I, so I love the introduction where he's like, Pam, this is my uncle Q. Right. Q, this is my cousin Pam. He's like, oh, we must be related. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, but it I, I so good. it's good that you pointed that out because yeah, like she kind of de- ends up being, takes over Bond's normal role of like kind of messing around and like annoying Q. I do like how Q, he essentially stays in that hotel room the entire rest of the movie. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. He's kind of along for the ride. I, I just, cause you do see him from time to time and he gets a little bit involved. And I really liked that because it just made him feel so much more present. And it just, the more Bond has like his people with him, like some, like from time to time doing stuff, it makes him feel more real. Yeah. (laughs) And less like this just enigma that like pops into existence whenever there's a mission that requires it. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, he usually kind of is like, let me give you all these things that will incredibly help you on the jam. And what I like about it is like, that all is ultimately isn't the case. He, you know, gives him some tools, yeah, and he does use them, but they don't yeah. work. Ultimately, a lot of them don't. Yeah, you know, and it kind of the, yeah. The X-ray Polaroid was, I think, one of the worst special effect like tricks that I've <laughs> ever done because it looked like someone drew a cartoon of two skeletons. Yeah, that was the weird. Yeah, that was pretty weird. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, laser!" And then, it, then the Polaroid pops out. And it's also an X-ray. I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> I'm, like, mm. I'm like, "And also, what do I need that for?" <laughs> yeah. If I need to track someone's bones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, have you seen the skeleton? I guess if you need to see through the room, right? Like, look through the wall, see if there's people on the other side. I guess so. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you think about? So one one of the weirdest cameos in this movie is Wayne Newton as the preacher oh, guy. Big time. Like that, but that's also I love that whole setup, which is this is how Sanchez broadcasts to his buyers in the U.S. is through this televangelist guy, who's like he can broadcast what the price is, and then they can submit their bids, and that's like oh my god, that is so like such a genius like just screenwriting tactic. <laughs> in terms, yeah, in terms of story, it just. I, I love I love that, it, it, but it is such a weird inspired casting, you know, with Wayne Newton. My other favorite cameo was Shang Soon, who played I think it was like Huang. Yeah, Quang, he's like the like the the other agent that like basically when he's about to snipe Sanchez, he stops him and like beats yes. him up and they take him. Is he? Does he play? I'm trying to think. What do I he's recommend? Mortal Kombat. Yes. Okay. Does he's he... Shang Soon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's Shang. That that was that, that's not the actor's okay. name. The actor's name I don't know how to pronounce. Um, uh, it's, I was, uh, was going to try and pronounce it. It's Kari uh, Hiroyuki uh, Tagawa. Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa is the actor. No, Shang Soon yeah. is the character in Mortal Kombat. Your soul is mine. Yeah, he has that. this very intense eyes. Yeah, like they're, and uh, eyebrows. That's like the one time. This is the one that like I immediately recognized because I saw that. I I watched Mortal Kombat all the time growing up. That movie is so terrible. <laughs> I love it though. Uh, yeah. So that that yeah that that and that's what kind of gets Bond into Sanchez's good graces because 
they take him back to this like hideout with this British guy, British agent, and Quang, and then they get attacked, ambushed, and die. Now, they move all over the place in this movie. There's so many different locations in this movie. Yeah. Um, this also movie. This movie is also, um, I think, the first one, and then since then they've they've got they've got the rating every time. But this is the, this is the first PG-13. Okay. Movie, and it is the most oh. direct violent movie. Well, it also might be. The first time PG thirteen was available. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm saying like this is like, <laughs> but like before even because they started using 1984. So yeah, because there's the Exorcist, right? Uh, well, it was Temple of Doom that kind of caused Tem- it. Oh, it was. But then oh, the Exorcist okay. was Exorcist was the first one that got it. I think got it. Okay. I think, but um, but then so A View to a Kill didn't got PG. Yeah. The Living Daylights got PG. This is the first one that got PG. So I think that also what cubby broccoli claim was a reason why also didn't financially do well was because of this sure because it got a piece people didn't know how to navigate the ratings yet they didn't know what that meant yeah they, they, oh maybe it's not good for children and so the yeah. less families went to go see it but it, it there is a lot of like like gore in this, not gore but like like direct violence in this movie yeah, like when absolutely. when they when yeah, straight up torture the straight up torture you see a head explode um in this scene Quang's like, uh, like person that he works with, Lottie. That other that woman. She gets like you see her get shot like three times yeah. directly. I mean, so so this is why I brought up the locations. Was this before? So where we are right now in the story, before or after he goes on the boat? Well, he goes. Uh, yeah. So this is he goes on the boat before when he. Okay, I, that's I about when he impersonates okay. the manta ray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the only reason I brought it up was I was thinking about like when he shoots the guy. With the harpoon, you just see it go through his chest, but then he dives after him so he can get his scuba gear. I was like, "Oh, that's smart, actually." Yeah, him him fucking up all that that whole operation with like yeah that getting the coke and the money and like he because he's so mad because Sharky died at that point and is being yes. like hung up like a like an animal and he's like, "You know what? Fuck you, like guy!" And he just like shoots him right through the heart with the the, the spear gun. Uh, which I thought was great. It's a great like revenge moment. It was for good, um, big time. But yeah, like there is a like a the more direct violence in this movie, like absolutely, like more so than you see in any other movie before this, and even after. I think they kind of got a little wary with showing a lot of like that type of violence because even I think when we get to Goldeneye, I, there really isn't that much like you see direct like bullets hitting people. No, I feel like there's they they make everything feel so fantastical. Like people just get shot and they fall over. Yeah, it was like like also there like wasn't blood anymore. <laughs> yeah, like just it yeah. became like a cartoon. Yeah, a lot of just like running, jumping, slipping, falling, and yeah. like and and squibs everywhere that are like but not on people. Yes, <laughs> a lot of ricocheting bullets and stuff, but um. Yeah, so like I think that I think it's definitely felt a little, which also reflects movies of this time as well, which is very graphic, very upfront with like gun violence and stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, so the I guess the plot of the movie is Sanchez has this whole operation where he's going, he's moving. It's all it's all drug trafficking basically. He's he's created this new system of trafficking cocaine through gasoline which is i think the the whole thing that's like realized and so at this point and what's simple about it is like he has this whole system in place and bond is just there to fuck it up just yeah. like destroy it and yeah like, I, I like when you know he's he's doing the tour 
and the guy's like, well, how do you get it out of the gasoline? And he goes, well, I wouldn't tell you <laughs> our process. Like, this is why you're paying me. <laughs> yeah, it's when, yeah, that whole, like, the whole ending here, I thought it was kind of funny with them on this tour and them showing the whole thing. And all Bond Which, does to, like, disrupt it is just knock that beaker of fire. Yeah. I thought that was, like, a weird move. Which, by the way, like, ahead of this, like, he befriended Sanchez for, like, a moment. Like, there was that, like, weird That's what I'm saying. That, that's the, the man with the golden gun aspect Yeah, it, of it is. It is. It's super like that. It feels like they didn't know how to end it, almost, with that fire scene here. Um, because... That was the like, most tiny distraction, and there were so many people in that room. Yeah, and you'd think in a lab, you might have accidents in which you would need to put out a fire, you know? Correct. And it seems like once that beaker of things gets, like, thrown and it causes this, like, big fireball, everybody just panics, and it becomes this whole, like, let's evacuate the entire complex. Right. <laughs> Whereas, like... It's not like a bomb. It's not like something that like is destroying something. It's like, I'm like, oh, so if there was ever a fire in this lab, you'd just be screwed. You know, that's what felt weird. And maybe I'm just comparing it to like Goldeneye with the pen. I think all the nerds were just afraid of the secret agent. That's true. <laughs> but like, even oh, no. but even Sanchez didn't know what was going on because he thought yeah. that bomb was his friend. And then that's when Dario recognizes him from the bar fight. Um, speaking of. That's like the one bar fight I've ever seen where someone has a shotgun and people are still fighting. <laughs> yep. It is like total roadhouse. Like everyone just like has to fight. And even though there's guns involved, like people just start still are fist fighting. <laughs> and and Pam never uses it to to establish her dominance. She's just like, whatever, I'm just gonna use it to blow a hole in the wall to escape. Yeah. I also I her the way she tries to get into like the lab and she's like pretending to be like from the south and she's like putting on this weird character yeah she seduces wayne newton it's so strange dude i love how wayne newton's character he like doesn't waste any time trying to take advantage of this person good which <laughs> which is just like you're like oh man he's such a monster but yeah um but it's a cool location. I think that location is really cool. I'm oh, I loved a lot of the sets. I thought so many of the sets were were really well done. Yeah. So like after this lab fire, you have this whole like kind of reveal with Bond and Sanchez, and then Sanchez leaves him to die with Dario. Fortunately, we get the rest in peace Dario moment where he gets like chewed up by that grinder system. Oh. <laughs> Ugh gotta be the most i gotta tell you that is one of my favorites so like lately my favorite one of my favorite things on youtube is to watch factory machines there's just like all these compilations of like <laughs> you're finding Jesus. this people can't hear it but john was just physically laughing very hard he almost spit up his drink no dude it's great you just you go on youtube and it's like 20 best factory machine they're like awesome it's like like sometimes it's like making things sometimes it's like how they make the machines but one of the best ones are the like incredible crushing machines, and it is those giant shredder things. Like there's ones that like they'll just put a car into, and you just watch the car just disappear. 
great. <laughs> it's perfect at like 12:30 at night. <laughs> and so you got you got a little bit of hit of that with uh, Dario here. Getting, yeah, it getting was awesome. Chewed up. You know. The second I saw that, I'm like, oh, I know what this is. You don't want to go in there, Bond. He would say, just is like, when it's at your feet, you'll be begging me to turn it off. And when it's at your waist, you'll be begging me to kill him. I'm like, dog, he's going to go through that thing so fast. There's going to be no time for him to even think. He's just going to be like, ah, oh, then I'm going to be gone. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Uh, I love when after Dario goes in it and then Pam's like, are you okay? And he's like, just turn the bloody machine off. <laughs> yeah. It's it's more incredible to me that like he didn't try to put him into like the gasoline like I'm gonna dissolve you into the gasoline and then then we're gonna we're gonna put you into the cocaine and you're gonna be gonna shipped stop. out to millions yeah. of yeah. dealers. <laughs> There's gonna be a little bit of you in the drug war. <laughs> Bond, I'm gonna get you. Um, but yeah, so so you know this whole ending with the chase on the, the semi trucks. I was reading kind of a little bit about it. And so apparently this is all filmed in Mexico and this area where they filmed all this like semi truck chase apparently was like haunted because there's been so many traffic accidents in this area that they apparently like dealt with during production a lot of like just weird things that happen like ghost things and like (laughs) like. Ghost things and also like car, like some of the stunt, some of the stunt cars, like actually. Are you like, trying to pivot this podcast like before James Bond is done into like a weird ghost hunting podcast? Yes, John, what's yes, happening yes, right yes. now? That's what we're doing. I'm just saying, like, I think it's kind of cool that they were filming this and like apparently they had like ghost encounters during this <laughs> during this whole moment. But you know, that's just that's just something I read that was kind of cool. But <laughs> overall, I think I, I like all this uh, this cool semi truck chase stuff, which is interesting. Oh. Yeah, I mean, which actually, I'll say, uh, going back to the point you made about the intro, with the intro actually not being that good, this back half of this action was all really good here. So it was surprising that um, they didn't kind of stick the intro if you compare it to the way it closes. Yeah, no, I think they, it, it has a very Mad Max feel to it. Oh, big time, big um, time. When he, like, flips that... 18 wheeler onto one side to avoid the Stinger missile. I thought it was like, it's a little ridiculous, but it's pretty damn cool. It's very Mission Impossible, it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> I was very great. Tom Cruise. Yeah. No, it's it, it very cool. And like, but I've never seen Ethan Hunt drive a car, like a stunt car that way. Like, he's done motorcycles, but he hasn't really no, done he drives, like. He, he drives the car in, in four, in the, my favorite one, four. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, storm. yeah. It's more of a chase thing, though. I never seen him drive like a big bruising like semi truck, though. Like, no, just yeah, smashing. not that I, not that I can recall. No, nah. I think he's too like, I guess finesse for that. I, I don't know. Yeah, him. but I mean, I, I would say it takes some finesse to like flip it to avoid the missile. That's true. I just Bond bon has move. been like a always more of a bruiser than Ethan Hunt. Yeah, like, he's he's more willing to just destroy property to get what he needs to do. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so this is all cool. Um, you know, he d- destroys each of these tankers, which are carrying this gasoline mixed cocaine, basically. Um, billions of dollars worth or whatever they, they said. Something crazy like that. It's kind of funny. Two movies in a row, Bond is destroying drugs. And it's like the finale. <laughs> he's he's disrupting drug deals and he's destroying the the all the product it's like he's just he's just a one-man war on drugs i mean he also lights sanchez on fire i so in that moment 
I like I had to watch. I like repeated a couple of times, <laughs> and when so Sanchez has a machete to him, and he's all like, "Why uh-huh. did Why did you do this?" And then he reveals the lighter that Felix lighter gave him, um, and like shows it to him, and I'm like. Did did Sanchez even see the inscription? Like he would have been like, I, I felt like Sanchez didn't really get a like get to see the name because it sure. was kind of like in the light. He should have just said it. Like I'm here for Felix. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like it happens so quickly. I like when he was like, you could have had everything. <laughs> like was he proposing marriage? <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it. Like I guess he was saying like if you didn't come after Felix and you just escaped, like you would have all the money that you were thinking you were going to have and stuff. I will say like, I, I like how like hubris Sanchez was like at the beginning, it was like, I care more about loyalty than money, but then like, he just keeps doing that to the point where then people are like ready to jump ship on him eventually. <laughs> yeah. And also like the fact that like he gets to the point where he's just murdering people that are loyal to him. Yeah. When he wastes Jared Kushner, I was into it, but you told, I wanted him to, to do that. Like ever. Oh since, yeah. Ever since he was like yelling at him about, quote unquote the orientals i was like oh i hope this oh guy gets mowed down at some point and I, yep. I saw the look in sanchez's eye he's like i'm gonna kill him big time uh but yeah when he finally does it i'm like oh that's yeah overdue what was the most gruesome death in this is probably the guy having his head explode yeah milton crest having his head pressurized exploded is probably the worst then obviously felix even though he doesn't die has like the guy who gets electric eels, that's got to be a pretty uh, gruesome. Getting lit on fire is pretty bad, too. Yeah, lit on fire, I mean, electrocuted. You have killing Killifer getting eaten Killifer. by sharks. Um, What's his face going through the shredder? Oh, <laughs> not to skip over my uh, other favorite line with Sanchez. When he does blow up Milton Crest in the thing, and then the guy's like, but the money. He's like, oh, La- yeah. launder it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally launder it because it's full of blood yeah so i love that um yeah and then then, you know this movie ends on a nice party scene does so does lupe she's with that other guy at the end and is that like the president of isthmus i honestly it's really hard to tell what's going on there i don't even like they don't even have like that actor yeah i'm also just confused why like Felix is like joking around with Bond on the phone. Like, dog, your wife was murdered. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I honestly think, like, I hate to say it, but like, they goofed killing his wife. There's no reason to kill her. But then I think I think that's what is the motivation to send Bond on this kind of like. They could have just captured her, maybe. I again, I think they maybe had. Now that I think about it. it, she was the femme fatale that kind of yeah that led him on this journey but yeah they kind of wanted to have their cake and eat it too where it was like this was buddy this just like an anti-swingers mo- movie they were like this is what you get or maybe like bond and felix were like... always meant to be together oh and della was just in the way yeah maybe and she thought that felix was in the way probably though i didn't really get the sense that felix was that in love with Della? I think he was like marrying her to marry her, but like I never got the sense that they were necessarily that like a couple. So maybe yeah, he's like seemed like there was like a forty year age gap also. Yeah, and so maybe that's why at the end he's like, 
well, whatever. I'm uh, single again. Hey, yeah, Bond, let's like, be back. go get some drinks? Yeah. <laughs> or he's like, hey, now we have, like, dead wife stories to trade. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we can be best wife. friends again. Oh, fucking lunatic. Yeah. Well, both of them are just lunatics. Um, last uh, point, last little trivia thing. This movie also became famous for... This was the alibi for the Menendez brothers when they killed their parents back in 1989. They bought movie tickets for License to Kill, ironically. Uh, I don't know if you remember the Menendez brothers, but there were these two rich kids from Beverly Hills that decided they wanted to kill their parents, and they (gasps) did so. (laughs) Wait, what? Uh, Look up the Menendez brothers if you ever have a chance. It's these two rich kids that just spoiled and they wanted their, you know, they wanted their, the family money. So they created this system, this, you know, story and they shotgunned their parents and said that, you know, they were at the movies at the time when it happened. And what is this? This is the movie they lied and said they were at? They bought movie tickets to License to Kill, ironically, to then go kill their parents. <laughs> so just, yeah. If you ever look that up, look at the, yeah, just... You know, it's a it's an interesting I'm story. I'm gonna say, don't look that up. No, I mean you should. <laughs> should. It's kind of an interesting point in history. Who knows? It is. It is. Uh, I've never really been able to enjoy true crime. Really? Oh, you're I've not. I've always you're not weirdly like a... found it like perverse. Like I don't actually have like a moral issue with it, but when I watch it, it just makes me uncomfortable. Um, the only thing I've actually recently gotten through with it was the Golden State Killer stuff. That was on HBO, and I think that's because of, like, the frame of reference through Pat Oswalt's uh, deceased wife. Um, I think that's the only reason I got through that. But, like, otherwise, whenever I try to watch that stuff, like, for me, it makes me, like, uneasy. And then I have nightmares. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe you just haven't watched enough of it. Because I feel like I've, like, gone through forensic files so much that it's I'm a little anesthetized to it. Yeah, I think, like, everyone is, which is, like, not good. <laughs> but it does. Like, but it also, like, I know never to commit a crime because forensics sure. is always going to come back to me. Yeah, that's true. So, so it's it's a good educational tool. <laughs> yeah, for mo- for most of us. Um, but anyway, what's up next? Uh, well, oh, Goldeneye. Yes, because after this movie, unfortunately, Dalton was contractually obligated for three movies. But again, this was after this movie was when the whole Kevin McClory thing popped up again and a whole bunch of lawsuits. And so everything kind of fell apart for six years. And it wasn't until 1994-ish did they finally reboot and the Dalton time like got out of his contract. Would Goldeneye have been Dalton or would it have? No, it would have been a whole different thing. I think from what I said it would have been called they would have based it on the property of a lady short story i guess the title okay. and it would have gone to like i think hong kong or some sort of like thing like oh, that so there, they did actually fun. have a story planned out with the third dalton movie just never happened so i wonder if they could go back to that one day like now try to do it <laughs> with dalton as bond yeah okay. why not okay be like all right the you know, eon productions comes out right and they're like we're just setting the record straight in case there's any confusion. They just gaslight everyone just in case there's any confusion. Every time there's a different actor playing James Bond, it's a different iteration of the same character. So it is all James Bond, but these are different James Bonds in their own universe. They're like, so for that reason, we're doing another Timothy Dalton <laughs> Bond. And then, and then in the, like, I would love that. Be like, hey, we're going to do another one in the Pierce Brosnan era. <laughs> yeah, with, with Pierce Brosnan in his own era. That'd be, yeah. yeah. 
they bring cool. the they cart Judy Dench out like an old great. like an older Bond, yeah, you know, trying to deal with you know, is what it is. Oh yeah, I could I could definitely see that, but yeah. So our next next film is Goldeneye, and this is I think the start of the true modern era of Bond that I think Big is time. leads into Craig and. We're kind of getting down to the wire here because I think we have one, two, three, four. Four and four. No, because we've already done Casino Round, Quantum of Solace. So, oh, right. So I think we only have did, six did movies left. Did we do Craig's Casino Royale or did we do the original Casino Royale? There, I think we did the original Casino Royale. No, we did, we did Craig's Casino Royale. Oh, we did? Yeah. We haven't done anything outside of Beyond Productions. So we haven't done the Woody Allen Casino Royale. We haven't done the TV version of Casino Royale. We haven't right. done... Uh, okay. Never Say Never Again. Well, we're doing one of those, right? The Sean Connery one? Yeah, we're like doing Never Say Never Again. Or, okay. Yeah. Right. So we'll do that because... I think, after everything. I think let's get. we're going to get through all of the Eon stuff, and then we'll do that one as a, as a tack on at the end. Yeah. I mean, we're going to make it so that it lines up with the new movie, assuming we're able to see it in theater, <laughs> in yeah. drive-in theaters, which I'm almost certain will be. Look, if they're playing Tenet at drive-in theaters, they're probably going to play James Bond because... Nolan was a psycho. Like they, he came out and was like, "I'm not putting Tenet in the drive at the drive-ins." Yeah, but it still was. <laughs> so, like, you know, yeah. as long as we can go see it, I'll absolutely go see it at a drive-in theater. It would be so exciting to go see a uh, new movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds so nice. Yeah, I mean, I've been able to watch new movies on digital, but yes, it'll be like no, of course, nice yeah, to watch but it. to see it, yeah. There's just something about that experience that I hope never totally goes away. I really like it. Uh, yeah, no, I think definitely if we can ever return to a theater experience, great. Not to date yeah. ourselves in this on this episode. I but... don't think it's going to. We're going to be in this situation for another year, John. Really don't think it's going to. No. In but... fact, every single person in the world will have lived through this for six months to 18 months or, or longer that we'll all be able to recall it. Yeah. Unless we all get our own private theaters. We can all get our own private theater and work out that way. Anyways. um, Yeah. So thank you everyone for on this very dark personal journey with James Bond. Next week, we're actually going to have a guest on maybe for all of our Brosnan movies because I'm bringing on, I'm going to bring on my friend that it's also was there for me with all the, during the era of Brosnan and a very influential time for all of us growing up and i'm excited to get into brosnan so um we'll be back with i think one of my favorite movies in the whole franchise goldeneye heck yeah which awesome is also the second movie we'll watch with martin campbell yep the best director to have directed bond we did casino Royale, and i think that's all i gotta say about it anything you else want to say see you guys on the next mission 